Hello, this is Leslie Garfield Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. Today I'm speaking with host of ABC's The View, Sonny Hostin. episode, I speak with former law clerk, federal prosecutor, and legal commentator, Sonny Hostin. Sonny, for the past three years, has been a permanent host on ABC TV's The View, and we also like to share that she was an adjunct professor at Pace Law School. In this episode, we talk about the value of a law degree in non-legal jobs. Sonny shares her professional journey from practicing attorney to a journalist and highlights the immeasurable value of a law degree to any profession. I love this discussion because in it, Sonny and I find that we have both seen the light that a law degree is an amazing acquisition, whether you practice law or not. But before we begin, I want to remind you that this and all of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, and almost every other listening platform. You can also access our podcasts at www.lawtofact.com. Remember, this podcast is a labor of love, and you can show us some love back by rating us. Have a topic you'd like us to address or someone you want us to interview? Tweet us at lawtofact or email us at lawtofact at gmail.com. All right, here's my discussion with Sonny Hostin. Thank you again so much for joining me. And you have had such a varied career, starting with a federal prosecutor, being a pro, an adjunct professor, teaching evidence, um, right until your current position as one of the hosts of The View, bringing not only a voice of reason to the discussion, but with that kind of legal expertise and the analytical thought that only lawyers can have. So I guess what I'd love to ask you first was, was it your intention to have such a varied career when you graduated from law school, or did you think you'd just be a lawyer? Or a practicing attorney, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. Um, You know, I... um, always thought that there would be a way somehow to pursue my passion for journalism because I did have an undergraduate degree in journalism Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I loved telling other people's stories, but that passion was sort of met when I was a federal prosecutor because I I got to tell other people's stories um, when I was in the courtroom. And I I loved doing that. When I left the Department of Justice um, and moved to New York, because I was in Washington, D.C. at the U.S. Attorney's Office, I moved to New York uh, with my husband and I had my my son and then my daughter. Um, I worked for a law firm briefly and I I worked for an investigative company as a managing director. I I was missing that, that piece, telling other people's stories. And I, I think I was lucky and I was missing the engagement. And I was pretty lucky to find um, Pace, and I loved teaching evidence and a little bit of trial advocacy because it reminded me of that engagement. Um, And I I sort of fell into journalism. I was trying to find that work-life balance and... um, Someone kind of just discovered me, a producer named um, Sabrina Thompson. And, you know, I was at a conference and she said, you know, uh, you should try television. And I kind of said, well, from your lips to God's ears, I don't think I'm going to be plugged from obscurity. And and it turned out she was a producer for Court TV. And I just, um, you know, sort of took that opportunity and turned it into Court TV and then Fox News and then CNN and then ultimately ABC. So I think it was a dream that was dormant for mm-hmm. a while. 
you didn't see people that looked like me back then on, on television, and I, I just didn't think it would ever happen. So I think I would have been very, very content uh, being a trial lawyer because it, 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 I was passionate about it and still am. Um, but I definitely thought that one day I would, I, 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 I hoped one day I would be able to tell other people's stories in this way. It was, it was a dream that I had for a long time. I just didn't think it would happen. Hmm, that's interesting. But I, I think what's particularly interesting is the storyteller component and also just the skill set that you get from the three years of law school. I have, I call it a lame analogy of Harry Potter where we have wizards and muggles <laughs> and that non-lawyers are muggles. And once you have this different type of thinking, you become like a wizard. And so yes. it's that wizardry, I guess, that's translated for you into journalism. And I guess it's having had such a very career for those people who are listening that don't necessarily want to practice law, how does that yeah. skill set Oh, help you and how, you know, yes. I guess it's for lack of a better question. I would never be this successful on television and in journalism if I didn't have the training that I have as an attorney. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am, I am uh, as successful because of it. There's just no question about it. The training that you get in law school the, the uh, and the training that I got at the Justice Department is... Uh, far none the best training, because you understand um, how to analyze not mm -hmm. only a case, but a situation and a story. You understand how to look at different situations on both sides of it. And when you're a fact finder, both as a lawyer and as a journalist, it's incomparable. Um, you know, recently we were covering the Jesse Smollett case. Mm -hmm. um, and at first he was seen as a victim. And I saw that side of it. But honestly, I also saw some holes in the story. And then I followed those leads. And then at one point he was arrested and charged. And so he became a defendant. And I was able to see that side of it as well. Um, a lot of the stories that I cover have a legal component and have a criminal component. And without my training, I just don't think I would be able to be as effective um, as a correspondent. Mm -hmm. it just, it's just no way. So, you know, the training that you have as, as an attorney is not only good, of course, in the courtroom or in, in the boardroom, but I think it just helps you in all facets of life. Right. It's it's it really is wonderful, and even my co-host on on the show, you know, will tell me. Well, we're talking about politics. Well, how do, how do you see it? And yeah. I, I see it differently because of my training. Well, and that's interesting. Actually, there's two questions I have. So I'll second, take my second one first, which is, you know, you're on you're on the talk show, you're on the View, and you have three or four other mm -hmm. co-hosts. Um, I don't think I don't know I I don't think any of them are attorneys are they or no yeah none of them me. are attorneys. <laughs> Thank you for representing us. Um, <laughs> and do you find that you have to change the way you engage in discourse with the non-attorneys? I I I I'm just going to just for a second say that sometimes I have a sense of, for lack of a better word and hubris, like the superiority that I'm looking at this from an analytical aspect that others aren't. So I guess in order to win the argument, do you feel like your legal training carries the day? Do you have to temper it? 
don't know. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? I mean, you, you definitely, you know, you run the risk of being the know-it-all, right? Um, never. You are never the know-it-all on TV, I have to say. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I try to be very careful with that because, you know, um, I, I don't want to be that person. I, I sort of want to be uh, the person that's providing information because we're on our job is not necessarily to change minds and to change hearts, but it's to present information mm-hmm. uh, and to discuss things. And so, and I also think that the law teaches you that facts trump emotion every single time, right? And analysis trumps emotion every single time. And so, what I find myself being is sort of this thought leader, in a sense, on, on our panel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and that is very effective. And the, the other thing that I, and I've been told this by my, my fellow co-hosts, is that what has been helpful for them is that they understand that I am able to fight it out at the table and then go to lunch and drinks with them afterwards. And at first, they didn't really understand it. And I explained that we do that in a courtroom every single day, right? We have a position, mm-hmm. and we fight it out to the death. Um, and we object, and we cross-examine each other's witnesses, mm-hmm. and we argue in front of the judge, and then we go out for drinks. And there are no hard feelings because we leave it in the courtroom. And in the same way, I leave it at the table, and I think it took a while um, for my co-hosts to understand that it's just my training. Like I just, I don't, I just see it as an argument, but not in the the conventional sense. I see it as like a as a legal argument, and then it's over, um, where they take it more personally. So it's really a benefit, um, mm-hmm. the way I I look at things, and I've become sort of a teacher in that sense uh, at the table. And even though Joy um, Behar has been doing this, she's one of the original co-hosts, right. she's been doing it for 20 years, she mentioned that my style is very similar to Star Jones. And, hmm. of course, she was, was also a computer. Exactly. And that our styles are very similar because we look at... Yeah, and, and the only similarity is that we were both trained in the same way. Right. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I um, start out, when I, the first day I teach, I go into the classroom and I tell the students a story. And the story is basically that my adorable um, puppy, Muffy, who is legal, who is <laughs> incredibly loyal, went for a walk with me and I got in a verbal altercation with someone and my incredibly loyal Muffy, who I was just taking for a walk, bit someone. And I asked the students, is this dog a dangerous instrument? And by the way, I have no dog, but that's besides the point. Anyway, <laughs> and I and, and so everyone in the class, now this is the first day of class, and everyone in the class is saying, you know, yes, it is a dangerous instrument, and here's why, and no, it isn't a dangerous instrument. <laughs> and I explained to them, you don't need to go to law school to have that passionate argument. That came from your head. Right. But what you do in law school is that you take the facts and make the argument. So what you say about your experience with your panel and being able to go out for drinks afterwards is exactly what we're teaching in law school, which is the facts are your weapon, for lack of a better word. Use that and then put your sword down because, and I think, and I've just had that kind of, I call it an Oprah aha moment from what you're saying, Mm -hmm. which is basically that the reason you can walk away is because when you make your argument in court, it's not doesn't come from a place of heart and it doesn't come from a place 
place of having your opinion trump another's. It comes from a place of facts and, 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 and court reasoning and precedent. So you don't have that emotional investment in winning, other than, of course, you always want to win for your client. But it's sure. not somebody saying yes or no, your opinion is valuable. Does that make sense to you? It, it, it's exact, it, that's my exact approach. It's never about winning the view. Mm-hmm. It it never is because we're friends. Um, it's almost like being in a marriage, right? Mm-hmm. If you won, you really lost. Right. Because if the other person feels like they lost, um, then your spouse has suffered right. a loss. Right. Or our table has suffered a loss. Mm-hmm. And you have to work with that person the next day. Mm-hmm. So it's really more about trading viewpoints, having a discussion. And I love the way you put it. You put your sword down mm-hmm. because you've had the discussion. You've traded the facts. And if anything, sometimes we have, um, we change our opinions. Uh, you know, Whoopi and, and Joy, you know, Whoopi sort of is, you know, our, our she's our moderator and she's certainly the, the captain of our ship. And she has taught me many things. This is my third season on the show. Right. Uh, my my fifth or sixth season really with the show because mm-hmm. um, I was I was a part timer for a while and I've changed my opinion about things, hmm. um, but I've never felt like I lost. That's interesting. You know, and and I I, I don't think and I hope that my co-hosts feel the same way um, about me. I know um, Megan McCain will often say, well, I'm not a lawyer. Well, I'm not a lawyer. And I told her at one point, you don't have to be a lawyer. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's not your your job here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my my expertise. I, I hope, if anything, I'm not making you feel like you can't have a discussion with me because I'm a lawyer. Right. I hope it's a strength that you you have somebody that has that expertise that you can bounce things off of. And I and and we've come to that place now where it's like, well, you know, I don't know that much about politics and you do. Right. So let's talk about it. But what's interesting too is and I've watched the show is that I don't think of you as an expert because of your knowledge of the law, although your understanding of the law certainly adds to the discussion. I think it's the way you make the legal argument or you make an argument based on how you would make a legal argument. That is, so I, I mean, they're both impressive. No, of course, obviously, I didn't mean to suggest that one is less than the other. But I, I guess that what I'm saying is that, and this kind of goes to where we started our conversation, is that it's not knowing the law that makes a lawyer special. It's knowing how to make a legal argument that makes a lawyer yes. special. That's that's exactly right, because we don't, it's not a legal show, right? Right. So we don't only talk about the law. We talk about the Kardashians. We talk about climate change. Right. Uh, we talk about the administration. I'm just thinking about the topics that we just <laughs> I just got off the show about uh-huh. all the things we talked about today. We talked about family. We talked about The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Michael Cohen, which was by and large a, a legal discussion. Yeah. But um, you know, it's it's really the approach. Right. And that approach is what you learn in law school. Um, and it is. It is just in, invaluable. Right, in every walk of life. In every walk of life. And, and you know, a lot of people will, will say to me, oh, you know, you're not even practicing law. Do you, do you regret going to law school? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now had I not gone to law school. And quite frankly, if I were practicing law, I would be pretty happy doing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, no. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, I just 
am doing something different now. And I never have closed the door on uh, going back to practice. Right. That's why I still have my law license. So. Oh, that's great. Good, good. <laughs> we'll get you back here. Um, can I just go? <laughs> We'd love to have you back. Um, I have a question just going back to Jesse Smollett because I'm, I'm curious. Um, what holes did you see as, for, you know, sitting from where you were sitting as a lawyer yeah. um, mm -hmm. and a former federal prosecutor, what holes did you see from the very beginning? And, and this is, I guess this is something that is of interest to me, too, only because, and I actually just was um, talking about this in class, is that the difference between evaluating a criminal case from a legal standpoint versus from a non-legal, and I'll just throw out really quickly, I've done a lot on the Casey Anthony case, remember Casey Anthony, mm -hmm. where everyone says, yeah. She did it, she did it, and I had to explain why we couldn't convict her no matter what we thought. So going, I, so I guess that is a long-winded way to ask you about your initial interpretation of the Jesse Smollett case. You know, I, I uh, initially, when I heard um, uh, Jesse and I heard what happened, you know, having gone to Notre Dame Law School and spent a lot of time in Chicago in January, mm -hmm. What gave me pause uh, was, wow, 2 a.m., it's really cold outside. Hmm. Um, or, you know, um, and you're usually so bundled up, you're usually unrecognizable. Hmm. Um, your face is, 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 is bundled, um, hands bundled, heavy coats. You almost can't breathe. It has that, the, 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 the cold is almost like when you breathe in, it's, you feel like a nose full of seared flesh. It's hmm. that cold. Wow. And I'm a, of New Yorker. <laughs> so I thought, how could anyone even recognize him? He should have been bundled up. Two, I thought, well, you know, people were yelling MAGA country. Downtown Chicago, Midtown Chicago, not really MAGA country. It's pretty, it's a pretty progressive area. Mm -hmm. and, I, and then I thought, three, you know, they put so much money into video surveillance there. I, um, I've maintained a lot of contacts with law enforcement, with judges there. I know the strides that have been made. I thought it was odd that they hadn't captured anyone on video or the attack on video. And then four, I, I just started thinking, you know, Trump supporters, people that would perpetrate a crime like that, did they really watch Empire? I mean, is that the- Oh, that's the, interesting. Audience? That's interesting, yeah. And, it's in its fifth year. Um, you know, I was a huge fan of the show in maybe the first couple of seasons, but I don't really watch it as much now. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine that a Trump supporter is such a rap fan of the show that they're still watching in the in its fifth season. So all of those things just, you know, didn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, because as a, as a former prosecutor, I really, I know that incidents of, of false reports are really low. Mm -hmm. You know, they say we're between two and like 6%, some say 8%. I just thought, well, you know, I, I always think that you should believe victims because mm -hmm. the reason victims oftentimes don't come forward is because they feel they won't be believed. So I, you know, just pump the brakes on it, honestly, and we were going to cover it on our show, and um, I, I believe we set this on air, uh, at least Megan and my other co-host, Abby Huntsman, did. I cautioned the group that I had some reservations about the story, and I thought we shouldn't cover it. 
Hmm. So because of my reservations, we did not cover the story when it first happened. That's interesting. And, and you know, that's, that's, an, yeah. that's, that's really, actually, I find that fascinating that you did yeah. literally pump the brakes on it, and it was because yeah. of the facts. And, I mean, and that, that again, you know, this, that's kind of the theme here of our conversation, which is the facts matter, yeah. and what you do yeah. with the facts is what matters. Yeah. It was my legal training. It's my training as an investigator. I mean, when you work for the Justice Department, you get trained with the, you know, at least in D.C., with the Metropolitan Police Department, with the Federal Bureau of Investigations. You know, you, you look at things a little differently. And I was just taking things off in my mind. And I thought, geez, this doesn't sound right to me. Uh, let's wait and see, you know. Mm -hmm. and And then things started turning. But I will also tell you, when I watched the Chicago superintendent's, you know, statement, on the flip side, I kind of felt like, wow, I've never seen a police department kind of lay out every single fact. You're telling me, you know, that you're laying out grand jury testimony. Grand jury proceedings are generally secret. Um, I was uncomfortable with that. I was uncomfortable with the anger that was displayed. You know, the Chicago Police Department doesn't come to this kind of story with clean hands. Um, it's been investigated many, many times for systemic failures, for racism. Um, the superintendent himself was made part of the police department because of all the problems the police department had. That seemed a little um, excessive to me. So there were issues on both sides. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. that was also another pump the brakes situation. And he is entitled to the presumption of innocence. So, right. again, even as a journalist covering the story, um, my training still helped. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Do you, do you have a opinion now, or you don't have to say if you don't have one? I'm just curious. Um, I'm, I'm waiting. You know, I, I know um, uh, Mark Garagos pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, if I were in trouble, I'd probably hire him. <laughs> um, uh, so I think I think it's going to get pretty tricky. Um, you know, I, I don't know that we know all the angles yet. Right, right. And, and like you, you know, with, with someone like uh, Casey Anthony, I think we all thought, wow, she's, uh, you know, she's going to get convicted. There was no conviction there. O.J. Simpson, no conviction there. Right. Um, uh, you know, I was in, in the courtroom every day for the Trayvon Martin case, covering it for CNN. I actually thought George Zimmerman was going to be convicted. No conviction there. Hmm. So you never really know no. um, these cases. So it's not what happened. It's what you can prove. So I'm, I'm curious as to what's going what's gonna to happen in this case. I just hope that, you know, regardless of outcome, that true victims of hate crimes um, will continue to come forward and there won't be a chilling effect because hate crimes are on the rise in our country. Right. No, I know they are. And, and that is the problem. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting because I, when, when the Casey Anthony, and even when O.J. Simpson came down, I have to say, and there's where our legal training came through, I understood it in a sense that I think non-lawyers didn't because I understand, yes. as do you, this idea of proving every element beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. Well, well, any advice you want to give to um, first year, second year, third year law students, or even people who are studying to become lawyers? Any kind of mm -hmm. pearls of wisdom you want to share? You know, just that I know that it seems really um, overwhelming at times, 
And there are even times when you're thinking, uh, how is this going to help me uh, in the future? Why am I taking this course? You never know what's going to be useful. Um, it's the process, ultimately mm -hmm. useful. Um, it's, it's the uh, way of thinking that you're learning that is useful. Mm -hmm. And I, I always say, you know, I, I will never regret going to law school. It is, uh, I look back on that time, even with the struggles and the difficulties, because um, law school is hard, mm -hmm. uh, so fondly. Um, I'm just so proud to be a member of the bar, um, the bars, because I'm barred in a couple of states and <laughs> um, the District of Columbia. Um, I, I just I, I think you, you do the work, um, network um, and, and and be be proud to be a member of the bar. I, I just think um, it's 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 it remains an honorable, honorable profession and you can do anything anything with a law degree. You don't have to follow this traditional route anymore. Uh, you, you, you just don't. So that's my discussion with Sunny Hostin. And in those dark days of studying, when you're wondering what it is you're doing, think back to this discussion. If that doesn't encourage you to become a lawyer and get your law degree and use it for anything you want to use it for, I don't know what will. And those of you thinking about going to law school, here's yet another reason why. Hope you enjoyed our discussion today. As always, you can reach us at lawtofact at gmail.com or tweet us at lawtofact. Thanks, as always, again to Ben Sound for the music. Enjoy your day. 